of the Toch, I should say. The peak of the Toch on a certain level of the entire Torah is the fact that we didn't serve Hashem b'simcha. Tachas asher lo'avaratas Hashem b'simcha mirov kol. There's a mashal which is brought down already in the Rishonim about a king who had an only son. And when the time came for that son to get married, so he built the most beautiful palace from scratch. He had the best architects come and design it and built from scratch in the years leading up to the marriage. And he hired the most beautiful and capable musicians, physically beautiful and capable in their music ability, and spared no expense on the floral arrangements and on the food and all the different aspects of making the wedding. When the time came for the wedding, people came to this building that they saw under construction and they walked into this building. They walked in, they saw how gorgeous and the attention to detail of every single detail of the entire building the flowers and the, the smell of the food and the sound of this hundred-piece orchestra. And the guests walked into this palace and they started enjoying it. It was, it was a spectacle. It was a sight to behold. It was the most beautiful sounds. All of a sudden, the king and the king's son are there, you know, welcoming the guests and Chassan's tishes. It's going nicely. The friends are here in, in full you know, participation. And all of a sudden, somebody comes running in. Some royal personage comes running into the, into the hall. And he goes, runs over to the king and he whispers. He whispers in the king's ear something. And the king turns white like a ghost. And very shortly after that, news starts to spread the call is not coming. All the effort that was put into the palace and all the effort that was put into their floral arrangements and the music and the food, everything takes on this cynical air of mocking the entire project of the king. The prince, the king, everybody's whispering, she's not coming, she's not coming. The call is not coming. A few minutes pass, which feel like an eternity, and all of a sudden, another person comes running in. Mom's on the verge of collapse. And he runs over to the king, and he says, there was a mistake, she is coming, she's just stuck in traffic, it's okay. 
I don't know if that's the Lashon and the Rishon. She's coming. She's, 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 just, she's just running a little bit late. She's Avada, she's coming. She's, of course she's coming. And the color returns to the king's face and the color returns to the whole scene and the music starts up again and everything is beautiful and, you know, everything resumes. So the Tzaddikim explained, the Rishonim explained that the palace with all of the music and all of the food and all of the attention to detail, the design is the world. And Hashem is the king. And the sun is Am Yisrael. And the Kala is Shabbos. A world without Shabbos is a joke. It's, it's a mockery. Shabbos is the Indian of the Nakuda Hapnimis of the entire world. Maral explains that the concept of seven, the notion of sevenness, Maral saw that numbers were not only a statement of quantity, but are a statement of quality also. The quality of seven means something which is spreading out in all the directions. It's big, it's, it's, it's beyond. It's beyond big. It's spreading out up, down, right, left, forward, backwards, every direction possible. In all six directions, it's spreading out and it's growing and it's evolving. But six is missing something because if it keeps spreading forever and there's nothing that's holding it, that's grounding it in the center, then it's just growing eternally towards nothing. Eventually it tears at the center. But if there's a force that's holding everything at the center, if there's something which is weighty at the center of everything, if the principle of gravity is working properly, spiritual gravity is working, and there's something that's holding everything together, there's something in the middle of the cube, that point in the middle of the cube is the seventh direction, inward, up and down and right and left and forward and backwards are beautiful, but what about inward? Shabbos is the Bechina of inward. Seven is the Nakuda Pnimis in the middle, it's holding everything together. It's the Nakuda Pnimis of every conversation you ever have. It's the Nakuda Pnimis of every morsel of food you ever eat, of every song you ever listen to. Shabbos is Me'in Olam And Shabbos is the presence of Hashem in the world. Is the whole Hemshech of Hashem's Malchus, the whole goal of having the prince marry the princess, that Am Yisrael and Shabbos together, is that it's, it's Mamshech, the king's, if the, if the son is carrying on from the king, that only happens if he's able to be molded peros. And that can only happen if the chasen and kala, if Shabbos and the Jewish people are getting it together in the right way. So the Zohar says in Parshas Yisrael, the Zohar writes in Parshas Yisrael, Shabbos, ihi shma, Rabbi Yaakov, is Shabbos. Shabbos. Shabbos is the Shema de Kudshabrichu. It's the Shema Shlimta of Kudshabrichu. It's the all inclusive name of Akadish Barcho. Halachically, you can't say Shabbos in the bathroom. Unless you're a little kid, in which case I have a Mesorah for my Rabbi. 
as a Messiah from his Rebbe, going all the way back to the Hashem Tov, that your kids can say Hashem's name in the bathroom. You shouldn't try to stop them in the bath. If they're talking about Hashem, don't stop them. It's good. You can't do it, but they can do it. I daven before that I should say the things that need to be said. Well, uh, that's what I need to say. So, <coughs> it's the Shema Shlimta Dukut Shabrichu Shabbos. It's the all-inclusive name of Hashem. The Bnei Saskar explains what that means. I mean, that, what does that mean? The Bnei Saskar says that what that means is that Shabbos, Shabbos, which is 702, is the Shem Havaya, the Shem Havaya, 26, times 27. 27 times 26 is 702. 27 being the 22 osios of the Halif Beis, plus the five double letters. Peifei, Shin Sin, Taf Saf, Beis, Beis, Did I get all of them? So I should have done them in order. So the five, the Mansapach, the five letters that repeat themselves. 27 times 26 is Shabbos. So it's the Shema, the Kutshabrichu, it's the Shem Havaya, the Shem Havaya of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's being manifested through each of the 27 osios. What that means, if the osios are the building blocks of creation, if the osios, if Hashem brought the world into existence, not with primordial matter, but with the osios, Vayomer Hashem or Vayomer Hashem, Hashem spoke and He brought the world into being with, with letters. The letters are the attention to detail of the palace. And the Shem Havaya shining through Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Hei, Vav, Zayin, Ches, Tes, through all of the letters is the Shema Shlimta Dekut Shabrichu, is Shabbos being everything. Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos, Sheni B'Shabbos, Shlishi B'Shabbos. We mentioned it last week. We'll mention it this week. We'll probably mention it next week. And the week after. The whole Indian of what we're doing here is to be Mamshech, the Or of Shabbos, a little bit earlier. that already Thursday afternoon, I'm hoping that the next generation, if we can figure this out, the next generation, they'll have Dibri Lekim Chaim on a Wednesday, and then they'll have it on a Tuesday, and then it'll be on. And then already it'll be Yom Shekul Shabbos. If not sooner, today it should be Yom Shekul Shabbos. It's the Shema Shlimta Dekut Shabbos. Shabbos means the Shem Havaya being shined through every letter of the Aleph Beis, which means through everything in creation. So the Torah says, Tachas Asher lo vartas Hashem b'simcha mirov kol. And I want to say the following, with the permission of my father, if he can hear me. He's working, but he's there. Tachas Asher lo vartas Hashem mirov kol. What's the pshat in Tachas Asher? So this we already find in other svarim. I'm not the first person to do this. Tachas Asher... Take the word asher. What's under asher? After aleph, under aleph is biz. Under shin is tough. Under resh is shin. Osios, shabbos. Tachas asher, underneath asher. So now let's just take out the word tachas asher and we know what that means now. What does it mean? Shabbos. Shabbos. Tachas Asher, lo varatas Hashem b'simcha. Take out the words Tachas Asher. Shabbos lo varatas Hashem b'simcha. 
Shabbos lovartus Shem Simcha. Merov Kol. What's Merov Kol? So Kol is 50. What's Rov Kol? 26. 26. 26. 26 is the Shem of Vaya. Tachas Asher is Shabbos. Shabbos, you weren't, you weren't Osek in Shabbos Besimcha. Merov Kol. You didn't find Shabbos, you didn't find the Shema, the Kutshebrichu, which is in everything in creation. Is there any bigger Klala than that? Why did, all, why did everything that happens in Parshish Kisavo, my father's Bar Mitzvah Parsha, why did everything that happens in Parshish Kisavo, Mainz Bechukosa, we got the close. The whole goal of the world is to take the close and to turn them into brachos. By taking Shabbos, I'll tell you something more. I say this every year, I'll say it now also. By my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, Parsha's Bechukosai, so the Rav of the Shul where I grew up, Rabbi Avram Yitzchak Levin, uh, said that he has a tradition, he's the grandson of Ravari Levin, he has a tradition that Bar Mitzvah boys don't read the Klolos. It's not, uh, probably the Pashtas is, it's not appropriate for a 13-year-old to be saying the Klolos to a bunch of older people. That's not uh, so Kavadik. So who's going to read the, and it's part of the Parsha, who's going to, someone has to read the Kriya Torah. So my father read the, my father read the part that's not uh, appropriate for Bar Mitzvah. The only kapshat of what was happening there is that Rabbi Levine was saying that a bar, it's not that a Bar Mitzvah shouldn't read the Tochacha for adults, that's like inappropriate or chutzpahdik or something like that. It's that a Bar Mitzvah boy, and by extension all of us, should hear the Klolos for the first time as a Bar Chiyuva from their father. Hevantem? That we should understand that the, what we picture as the Klolos in our lives, what we see as the emergency measures that Hashem sometimes makes it a little bit not sweet for us. Mitoch, all of the sweetness, that there's occasionally a small or a big surprise, which doesn't taste so sweet. A person knows that it's from their father, it's a different thing. The kala isn't coming. Why isn't the kala coming? Is she really not coming? She's just a little bit late. She's just a little bit late. The king is very disturbed that the kala is not coming. But the son is also very disturbed that the kala is not coming. And it's Dafka, the father, who's able to comfort the son until the news comes in that she's not not coming, she's just a little bit late. I played this nigan for the first time in a long time on Chayel a few days ago. In a while, it's been a while since I played it, but somebody was misordering me to remind me of this nigan. <laughs>
mitzvah v'kurim. Tar says, "Ubasa alakoyin asher yebiyomim ahem." Va'amartelav. He got it yom la'ashem lekecha. He got it yom la'ashem lekecha. Person takes the fruits that they've been working on, that they put in the effort into growing, that they partnered with Hashem. And there's a sense on a certain level that if you think about the amount of time that was put into this, person wakes up in the morning, they daven a little bit, spend 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, davening shachris. Maybe they get to learn a little bit. And then we go off to the world. There's a lot of people who will tell you that Shiva's the real world. The world out there, that's not the real world. Shiva's the real world. It's not true. I mean, they're both the real world. They're both part of the world. A certain manner of speaking, the world out there is more the real world. Does that mean it's the, the, the more important world? I don't think we speak in these types of terminology. I don't think we speak like that. There's an aspect of life that's called being in yeshiva, and there's an aspect of life that's called being out and in university, some people who are listening to this are working. There's an aspect of our voda that's called raising children, changing diapers. There's an aspect of our voda that's called shopping in a supermarket, or shopping for clothing, or doing a term paper. These are all parts of serving Hashem. person thinks, they wake up in the morning, they daven a little bit, and then they maybe learn, and then they're off for many hours, and they come back at some point. They'll daven mincha again, back home for a little relaxation, a little mariv maybe. That's the day. person eats, person wants to eat food. So you spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, Buying, put together the buying the food and then the preparing the food, setting it up that it should look nice for your family, that you want it to look nice a certain way, you're proud of it. And then, right before you eat, you say, bracha, shahakol, hamotzi, maybe there's a wash, and then the meal goes on for, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, depending, it's Shabbos Yantif good friend that you haven't seen in a while, it goes on for a long time, and then at the end, two minutes again, five minutes, seven minutes, Birkas HaMazah. But all of life has these little moments of serving Hashem in this bizarre inversion of the proper way of looking at the world, where it's like two minutes here, seven minutes here, and most of my life I'm feeling sorry for myself that I'm, I'm not 
I'm not where I'm supposed to be, Khalila. If a person is able to spend many hours learning and being frontally involved in the osios machkimos of Torah and Tefillah, kamilas chasadim, a frontal mitzvah, matov umanaim. How sweet, how, how, how fortunate, how lucky, how... But when a person starts to think that working in the field, the Baal Shem Tov used to say, if learning the sugya, if learning the sugya of not plowing together with an ox and a donkey, kilayim, or not muzzling your animal while it plows, is a big mitzvah, how much doing that is. Actually plowing your field with an animal that's not muzzled, and actually plowing your field with two animals that are from the same species. The real world is the world that we're in wherever we are. So when a Jew comes to the Kohen, Torah says that he comes to the Kohen and he uses the lashon of Haggadah. Ishbetzer writes in Meshiloach that this lashon of Haggadah, he's, he tells the Kohen, lashon of Haggadah, is a lashon of sharp words, harsh words. He says to the Kohen, you are in the Beis HaMikdash, you're dwelling in the house of Hashem all day, frontally involved in the Vodas Hashem, and you think that I, farmer, who's out in the field, who's plowing and planting and pruning and collecting, you, th- you thought that I wasn't thinking about Hashem the whole time I was doing that? You thought I was Stam involved in doing checkups on people as a doctor? You thought that I was Stam going through someone's accounting to make sure that the money is kosher money, that the money is, is properly accounted for, that the taxes are being paid properly, and that nothing is... You thought that that was not a Vodas Hashem? Let me tell you something, Mr. Cohen. You tell the Cohen, a lashon of Haggadah, a lashon of Gidin, harsh, like, like strong, like a Gid. Like the parts of your body that are held together by the Gidin. Ishbitzer says, it's hard for the Cohen to hear this. Because here the Kohen was thinking that he was serving in the Beis HaMikdash and, you know, he's the top guy and these farmers, but then all of a sudden he realizes that everything is tole on his heart. Everything is tole on his kavana. Because a person could be in the Beis HaMikdash, serving in the Beis HaMikdash, doing a Vodas HaKodesh, and their heart could be in all the wrong places, and a person could be out in the field having frontally nothing to do with Hashem, but if they're connected to Hashem, they're even more connected to Hashem than the person in the Beis HaMikdash. Because how could you not be connected to Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash? Asar Nisim B'chol Yom in the Beis HaMikdash. There were, there were ten miracles that were happening in the Beis HaMikdash all the time. You're out in the field. There's every reason in the world to think, I'm doing this myself, but when a person is able to look past that, and a person is able to see that this is a partnership with Hashem. And that everything that I'm doing is not me. And I, and I prove it to you. I bring you my, my fruits. Because it's our fruits. This is not my fruits. So this is a Haggadah to the Kohen, says the Shritzer. A Jew has to know that wherever he is in the world, wherever she is in the world, they're connected to Hashem if they want to be. 
they want to be connected to Hashem, they're already connected to Hashem. How to do that exactly? So halacha will tell you exactly how to connect to Hashem in this area or in that area. When you're tying your shoes, you're connected to Hashem. When you're getting dressed, you're connected to Hashem. When you're in morning seat, you're connected to Hashem, but when you go back to the dorms, you're even more connected to Hashem if you want to be. When you're eating lunch, you're even more connected to Hashem. When you're going to work out, you're even more connected to Hashem. Now, this is hard work. This is not like a pat on the back. Rav Kook got in a lot of trouble for this. Rav Kook said, you know, chever who are going and working out and building up the Jewish body, on a certain level, this is like, uh, this is a very serious high level of Vodas Hashem. Even higher, Rav Kook said, on a certain darga of the soul, maybe on a neshama level, the people who are learning Torah are higher, but on a nefesh level, this is higher for, this was a very deeply misunderstood comment of Rav Kook. This is not easy work. This is not like a pat on the back, like, feel good, go get the extra scoop of ice cream because my avoda when I'm doing gashmias, you know, is a higher level of avoda than the Kohen and the Besamikdash. It can be, it can be, we have to work very hard at that. So Halavai Hashem should help us that our avoda when we're in the Besamikdash, and our avoda when we're in shul, and our avoda when we're actively doing for somebody else should be just as high as when we're osik and things that seem to be disconnected from Avodah Hashem. And our Avodah, when we're seemingly disconnected from Avodah Hashem, we're just Chai El, Alter Rabbi Zirzai, birthday, excuse me, and, uh, and the Baal Shem Tov's birthday, thank you. And these people came into the world to free Hashem from jail, so Alter Rabbi said explicitly, when he came out of jail, and Yotaske slave. He said, I, I came to free you, Hashem, from the, just like you freed me from jail, because he was put in jail for teaching Torah and for sending money to Israel. When he came out of jail, he said, you took me out of jail, Hashem, I'm going to take you out of jail. Because I know that you're locked in jail in shul. And you're locked in jail in the Birkas Hamazan after eating. I'm going to free you from the jail of Birkas Hamazan after eating, and I'm going to bring you into the Suda itself. And I'm going to bring you into the workplace itself, and I'm going to bring you into the working out, and I'm going to bring you into everything. I'm going to take you out of the jail of, it's only called serving Hashem if it's Torah or Tefillah or Gemilas Chasadim or shaking the little of or lighting a Shabbos candle or lighting a menorah or giving a pruta tetzdaka or going to the mikvah. That's called serving Hashem. But it's not called serving Hashem when I go and I buy something to eat for myself. And it's not called serving Hashem when I have to do a job for somebody or for myself even just to support myself. That's not called serving Hashem. I'm going to free you, Hashem, from that jail that, God forbid, you're not in that place also.
short on the Nagunim. Sometimes there's Torah to say, sometimes there's Tefillah to Daven. Some of the Rishonim explain that the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu is instructed to write the Torah on stones, learn from the word Hetev, Pasuk. He should write it good. He should write it Hetev. It means that he should write it in all 70 languages that everyone can understand it. And there's different interpretations, different reasons why we did that, why Moshe Rabbeinu is instructed to write the entire Torah on these stones. How that's even possible, but, but that is. Simple interpretation. Simple interpretation. Is that at the entrance of Eretz Yisrael, it should be clear to all the nations that when the nations are looking and they want to know whose land this is, they should be able to see what Rashi tells us at the very beginning of the whole Torah. Rashi tells us, Torah should have started from Chodesh Hazelachem, should have started with the first mitzvah, Torah. As one of the Chavri asked me this week, what does the word Torah mean? Somebody from outside of the yeshiva asked, what does the word Torah literally mean? So the word Torah means law. So that's Rashi's kasha. That's, that's the explanation of the super commentaries on Rashi. Rashi's question is, it should have started with HaChodesh Zelachem, Chachamim says, because Torah is Lashon of Horah, of law. So what he's starting with this cosmology and you know, the beginning of the creation of the world. Uh, start with the first mitzvah, go to the second mitzvah. There's no medrash halacha on Sefer Bereshis, because there's no halacha on Sefer Bereshis. So what is this book? So Rashi says, Hashem began with Barishas Barel, Kim, Yisra, Shemayim, Arts. In the beginning of everything, Hashem created Shemayim Ba'aretz. So that the nations of the world should know when they come and say, you stole Eretz Yisrael from us, that we should say, Hashem created the world. Hashem created the world. He gave the Torah to anybody who wanted to take it. And we were the ones who took it. And so Hashem, before that even, Avram Avinu was a precursor to accepting the Torah. The 2,000 years of Torah began from Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu decided to accept the Torah. He took it upon himself to hear the Lech Lecha that Hashem was screaming out to the whole world since the first day. Avram was the first one to take the mission. From there, like the Ramchal explains, Avram, Hashem decided that Avram Avinu's tree was going to be the tree. It was going to be the tree through which everything else is going to work. Any individual who wants to join on to Avram Avinu's tree, you don't have to have Khalila, blonde hair and blue eyes. There's no racial, you know, you don't have to... Anybody can be part of this tree. You have to maybe cut yourself off from your own tree and reattach yourself, which is totally possible. You have to be part of this tree of Avram Avinu. Because Avram Avinu is the one who was Makabal of the Torah. And so therefore you shouldn't say that we stole it because Hashem created the world from scratch. He's the Balabayas. And he's going to say, who goes here, and who goes here, and who goes here. And everyone has a place in Hashem's world. Every person has a place in Hashem's world. 
there. Eretz Yisrael belongs to Am Yisrael. And that's something that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to put right at the borders of Eretz Yisrael. And he didn't want to put it there only for the nations. <coughs> but he wanted to put it there for us also. Eretz Yisrael, our connection to Eretz Yisrael, Torah and Eretz Yisrael, are trey rein de lo ispardin, to use the Lashon of the Zohar. Two friends that never separate. Eretz Yisrael and the Torah are the same. Ad Hayomazeh, I think, definitely true the last time I checked, I didn't check today, so. Ad Hayomazeh, or Ad Shana Hazot, or whenever the last time I checked was. The website that talks about uh, the number of days it takes to go from one side of Eretz Yisrael to the other side. And this is the Torah that we find already in the Mabit. We know this from Arashi. We also know it from the uh, from those who do like uh, it's not Yam Yam, it's the other way. Shvei Yisrael. Shvei Yisrael takes forty days. We know that from Rashi. Rashi tells us that the days of the Meraglim, you know, from the time they went up to get the, it's forty days to explore Eretz Yisrael. Rashi does a whole calculation. Forty days. The Mabit writes that the forty days that it takes to the span of Eretz Yisrael, which is forty days is the same number of days that we need to get the Torah, on purpose. Because the Torah and Eretz Yisrael are Trey Rey and Delois Pardon. They're two friends that can never be parished one from the other. Everything about Eretz Yisrael is Torah-dik. The land itself, Avir de Eretz Yisrael Machim. We're here for a year, or two, or a lifetime, hopefully. You know. Everything is moving in this direction. I have good friends. At least one who's sitting in this room. The tide is turning towards Jews. It's been turning for a long time. It's been turning from the moment that we, that we left. Of Jews coming back to Eretz Yisrael. Coming back to Eretz Yisrael doesn't just mean coming back to Eretz Yisrael, living here in the geographical space. Coming back to Eretz Yisrael means that there are Jews who were born here, and who lived here, and who never left here. And there are Jews who made Aliyah 10 years ago, who are coming back to Eretz Yisrael every day, every year that I'm here, I'm trying more to come back to Eretz Yisrael. To come back to Eretz Yisrael means to come back to Torah of Eretz Yisrael, Shereen Lois Pardon. There's two things that are called a Morasha and the Torah. Eretz Yisrael is a Morasha, and Torah Tzivlanu Moshe, Morasha Kivas Yaakov. The Torah and Eretz Yisrael are a Morasha. Morasha is something that is a funny word. I don't have time to go into it right now so much, but Yerusha and a Morasha are not the same. The Gemara says explicitly, Torah is not a Yerusha. But the Torah says it's a Morasha. Morasha means that it's yours, but you have to take it. It doesn't go automatically. Eretz Yisrael is yours, but you have to take it. In a certain sense, it's even more painful if you don't. It was there sitting for you. It's like, you know, those scams that people send, like, your uncle Bernie died and he left you $2 million in, the, you know, in, in his will. You just have to answer this and send me, like, CVS credit card uh, information and I'll, uh, I'll transfer it to you right away. <laughs> Except instead of it being a scam, it's real that you have this $2 million, $2 billion, infinite gift called Torah and called Eretz Yisrael, and it's yours. And how chaval it is if you just think it's another scam. 
this one you don't need CVS or Walgreens or any other you know, gift cards in order to get it. Those stones that are put on the outside of the Torah creating the borders of Eretz Yisrael, right there where Moshe Rabbeinu does that is a lesson for us, it's a lesson for the nations of the world. And to the degree that we get it, and we're willing to say boldly that Hashem has commanded us to live in this land and to live in this land in a specific way, the nations of the world will also respect that and will also see that.